Hi, and welcome back to the Life in Bomb City podcast. My name is Aaron Favor, uh, recording live here in the Panhandle PBS FM 90 studios on the Amarillo College campus on Washington Street. This morning, we have a special guest, Taylor Moore, the author of Downrange, will be with us. Uh, welcome, Taylor. Uh, thanks for having me, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be here. I guess the the first a good place to start would be to ask, you know, could you give a little bit of uh, about of your your background, a little bit of uh, some things that you would like for for readers to know about your um, your background? Yeah, you know, uh, as it relates to the book, I think uh, it's important to know um, a lot of this was uh, based on when I say personal experience. Not that I did everything in the book, but just I, I have a background in intelligence. I worked for the Central Intelligence Agency for a number of years, and then ended up doing uh, contract military work, uh, contract intel work uh, with the military, and um, a lot of that focused on counter narcotics. So, uh, so that was sort of my background. I I'd, uh, done that for a number of years, and then. Um, moved up uh, here with my wife. Um, uh, she, she, once we started having kids, she kind of wanted to get closer to home. And she was originally uh, from Hereford. And um, so we, when I moved up here, I ended up having to reinvent myself a little bit and ended up working in the oil and gas industry as a landman. Uh, so I did contract uh, landman work um, here for a while. And, um, and so that really was a, a lot of what uh, the book is based on is my, some of my experiences that I had doing the, the, uh, the land work for an oil company. So I'd get up to towns like Canadian and Perryton and Miami and uh, Pampa. I was just up there almost every day for years. And I was out on the big ranches, and, and I was uh, what they call a surface land man. And so, you know, I, I had a, a great opportunity and honor to meet uh, some of the people living up there that, that uh, own these beautiful places and get to know them and get to know the land. And um, so, again, uh, it, for people that read the book, you'll <laughs> it, it, it will probably um, – You'll see a lot of that in the book, but that's my that's my background, and um, that's why um, I choose uh, I chose this for my first book and my first story to tell. Wonderful, yeah, it's a fantastic book. I think that this is probably a question that maybe gets asked of every author, and probably get tired of answering to some degree. Uh, what are some uh, influences that you had growing up that you remember that uh, had some type of an impact on you uh, as a as an author? You know, just given my age, um, it will probably not be surprising. Uh, you know, I'm a big t Tom Clancy fan, and so Clancy was kind of the man when it came to thriller writing and uh, the military spy thriller genre. Uh, so that was always a huge influence on me. And then I, I was a big uh, Larry McMurtry fan, and uh, so Lonesome Dove is just, you know, my all-time favorite book, and, and that was a, a huge influence on me as a writer as well as um, – his uh, last picture show that series and and so if you if you when, when you read downrange um uh you, you probably get elements of both those things because those were my favorites i love clancy and i love mcmurtry so uh it was probably natural for me to gravitate uh towards both those authors and try to do kind of what they do to kind of tell that you know use that sort of clancy-esque intrigue and um and plot line, um, you know, and suspense uh, with with what I hoped would be comical, that sort of Larry McMurtry uh, comedy that uh, that he puts in his novels, uh, as I always say, feels kind of uniquely Texan. And uh, so those were two big influences on me, and I, I think people will see that in the writing. Where did you grow up initially? Yeah, I grew up in uh, Navasota, which is uh, north of Houston, close to College Station. Um, Brazos County is where I grew up. We, we My family farmed and ranched down there, so we had... 
uh, farms and, and farming and ranching operations in uh, Brazos County, Washington County, and Grimes County. So it's kind of Brenham, Navasota, and, and Brazos is kind of more what you think of College Station in that area. Uh, so that, that was my background was in agriculture. When you became a landman, did that come fairly naturally to you? Absolutely. Yeah, we had oil and gas growing up. And so I'd always been on the other side of a, a table from a landman. And uh, so I, I, I obviously I'd never worked in oil and gas, but I'd, I kind of felt like I, I've seen enough of this and to know how it uh, how it went down. And um, and I, I knew the sort of uh, pitfalls of, of all that and, you know, the, the, the bad experiences that we'd had with oil companies. And so I came uh, came into that job kind of hoping to um, help people navigate through that process, which can be cumbersome at times. And, you know, cause you got trucks and equipment and all that stuff moving on people's properties. So I always did my best to try to help, uh, alleviate some of that pain that comes with, um, with an oil and gas operation on your property. I, I, I probably, uh, <laughs> I hope, I hope people thought I did a good job. I, I, I always tried my best. And, um, at the end of the day, it's still, <laughs> it's still kind of a pain to have that stuff, that, that, that kind of thing going on, but I, I always tried to do my best. And yeah, it, it, it goes back to my background and remembering, uh, my dad having to deal with all that when he was farming and ranching. And so, um, so no, that was a, a huge influence. So being able to be a landman doing lots of research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, uh, history of the, of the property itself, mineral rights mm-hmm. and things of the, of, of the nature. Is that correct? Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, you spend a lot of times looking, a lot of time looking at the, uh, the rights to the land and at the yeah. county levels. Yeah. How did, I mean, how did that, your, I suppose your, your comfortability, uh, with, uh, dealing with things like, you know, mineral rights and land mm-hmm. rights, um, kind of translate into what, uh, maybe some of the ideas that you you have when you write mm. um, about things like, you know, a minute ago you mentioned like how uncomfortable it is for people to, to see trucks on your land, mm-hmm. your, your private property. Yeah. You know, um, it's like there's a concept to some degree um, outside of uh, maybe some, and outside of the ex- personal experience of people owning land that that, that is, something they have become very familiar with Mm -hmm. and they know every cactus and every uh, mesquite, you know, and I mean, how does, how did all of that kind of help develop your ability to articulate that in the written word? Because it's got to be different. It helped tremendously, uh, tremendously. I mean, every bit of this book uh, contains some of that. And I just finished book two uh, in the series and, and it probably dives even further into that. But, you know, in my experience in, in working, um, you know, whether it was in the courthouses or just getting out and meeting people, um, everybody's story was different. There were some people that um, that own the property and own the minerals. And, you know, a lot of people around here know this, but a lot of people don't know that those uh, a lot of times the minerals and the, and the surface are separated. And you may own the surface, but you may not own the minerals beneath. And so that was always a tricky situation because, you know, people were getting paid for the surface damages and things like that. But it's one thing when you're potentially going to make millions of dollars in, in oil revenue. And, and, and it's a whole other thing when you have the headache of dealing with that, but not getting the benefit of it. And then there's people that own the minerals that, you know, as I point out in the book, couldn't even point to it on the map. You know, they may live up on the East Coast or whatever, and their families left a long time time ago. And um, so that's all captured in the book. And, uh, and I think it's interesting. And, and there's, you know... It, 
for people that that deal with this, there's a lot of emotion going on because, as you said, yeah, they know every cactus, they know every tree, they know every you know could tell you who's buried where, and um, and when you're going onto their land, that's a tricky thing to to do because. Yeah, I mean, it, it involves some construction and demolition sometimes and things like that. That, um, and, and so, obviously, I, I picked that up in the book. And, but, no, that was hugely important. The courthouse experience, as you said, going back and doing the, you know, the title searches and all that, that was good. But really just getting out and talking to people and learning their stories and hearing the history. And, oh, man, I, I loved it all. I mean, it was fascinating. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had just because I got to meet such great people up in the panhandle. Uh, I can say that some of that translated into, uh, I guess, the, the novel itself. The, the, the opening um, scene that you have uh, where you've got, you know, you're in a foreign country, essentially, and you've got um, uh, an individual that's seen a tremendous amount of loss mm-hmm. and survives it. Right. And uh, your main character, Garrett Cole, um, helps bring him out of there mm-hmm. um, at some t- with with the turf battles that are taking place there and all the other things he still feels this this sense of you know I need to take I need to make sure that this person's taken care of right um, would I mean would you say that uh, to what extent were you informed um, by uh, by that experience with like the Tom Clancy thriller um, and the, uh, and some of the other, you know, I think, I think we're of similar age. I don't know exactly. (laughs) Um, But uh, I do know that uh, some of the characters like Asadi and, you know, we've been old, we've been experienced, we've been old, we're old enough to have experienced the full breadth of the war Mm -hmm. in Afghanistan. Right. And that's where the opening uh, portion of this takes place. Right. Um, to what extent does, um, does that, uh, sense of like being alien to the property, like, it seems like the places like, uh, it's kind of a universal theme too yeah. as well. Right? right. I mean, being, feeling alien yep. and marginalized right. and, uh, having that really deep ancestral connection. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Asadi? Like I'm, I'm trying to avoid talking too much about the content of the book because yeah. it's so good, and I want people to experience yeah, no themselves. But yeah. no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, no spoilers. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I, I think it's um, this kind of happens in the first of the book, and and it's it's part of the story that he ends up coming back to to Texas with Garrett, and uh, and so uh, I, yeah, for him, he's, he's just gone, undergone this tremendous uh, amount of loss. Um, and it's, it's obviously a, a horrific experience and Garrett, you know, being the sort of bachelor undercover DA guy that he is, is not super comfortable, uh, with, with this role, but he, you know, he has some, uh, nieces that he's really fond of and they're fond of him. And, uh, so he has a little bit of experience with kids, but, um, but I think, you know, the idea was to sort of, um, and, and not to give too many, too much away in, in, in terms of spoilers, but, you know, Garrett has had a similar background and he knows what Asadi has gone through and, and um, and I think he bringing a, a society to this foreign place, which is the Texas Panhandle, to him, um, 
it's, it's probably the best thing that could have happened um, because it, it, it's on the one hand, yeah, it's probably scary and big and, and crazy uh, to get, get on one of these huge ranches with, you know, and, and again, no spoilers, but there's a lot of action and adventure that happens. But at the same time, it's a, it's a bit of a distraction from what's going on. And it's a, and it's exciting time in his life because he's seen these new things and I like horses. He'd never seen really horses close up and, um, and, and he gets to go out and go hunting and do all these different things that a, a kid in Texas would grow up and do and, and and that's what Garrett grew up doing and and um and so it's it's the perfect opportunity for them to sort of bond to be together and sort of help Asadi transition out of that that very difficult situation he's going through so when you're thinking about and uh, making observations uh how seamless is that transition from fact to fiction so yeah so one of the sort of interesting things and, and, and I hope people will think I'm brilliant, but if I'm being honest, you know, it was, it was an educated guess, but, uh, the book takes place as we're transitioning, uh, that we're pulling the U S military out of Afghanistan. And I, I, I probably wrote that three years ago and here we are this summer, um, we're, we're pulling out of Afghanistan and, uh, from what I've read, it looks like we're going to leave behind some, um, some, maybe some Intel guys and some special operations guys to sort of, um, uh, you know, kind of keep the peace, if you will. Um, at least what I've seen in, in um, just out in the news, it says we're going to do this, and I imagine we would. But already we're seeing the, the effects of us pulling out, and that the Taliban is kind of at it again. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of knew at some point this was going to happen, and this is happening right now. Uh, so, in terms of like a seamless transition, yeah, it's it's like it's kind of where fact meets fiction. And for me, you know, again, I wanted uh, the I wanted to get the atmospherics right of what it's like to be, um, you know. There's this involves DEA, CIA, and all that, um, and so I wanted to sort of um, give people or give readers the actual a, a good feel of what it's like to be in those situations and to be in those conversations. And you see, with Garrett when he's dealing with the CIA, there's a certain discomfort he has. And I pulled that from reality because I remember dealing with people in law enforcement that were dealing with people like me. Um, and that you could tell there was a, an unease of like, what do you guys, you know, what are you guys up to? <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. And that's, that's Garrett's uh, thought process throughout this, that he, yeah, definitely understands the dangers of keeping uh, Assad in Afghanistan, but he wasn't 100% sure what the CIA was up to. And I think that's, um, a mindset of a lot of people. So I, I wanted to sort of, uh, I wanted to capture that in the book. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of what you see um, in the book is, is very realistic to how things are. Now, you know, obviously it's a sort of over-the-top action-adventure novel, and it's meant to be fun and enjoyable. And when I originally started writing, my agent, uh, I, this wasn't the first book that I wrote. It was, I originally wrote more of a, I guess what you'd call sort of a Vince Flynn that was more straight-up, CIA, and we end up uh, transitioning to a, a whole different uh, book in the process, which that's in and of itself another story. But, um, but I, my, my agent at one point told me that I was being too realistic, and I think coming from that world directly from CIA, I had to get everything just right, and 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 I was probably doing it to the point where it wasn't entertaining anymore. <laughs> uh, so I think um, uh, there, there's enough sort of this is how it really is uh, with enough sort of leeway to have that sort of creative fun along with the book. So that it's, it's a seamless transition, I guess, but it's, um, but it's still without, without dulling it down to sort of the minutia and bureaucracy that actually would really go on in a, in a real life situation. Right. Uh, and, and you'd seem to kind of 
really do a very good job of painting the picture of what that uh, relationship is like mm-hmm. um, between a, like a law enforcement uh, body and a, a mm-hmm. body that's meant to do, you know, I think as you write in here, uh, make creators. Mm-hmm. And that is, yeah. that is, those are two completely different uh, mindsets, you know, one outward, one inward. And it makes sense um, to, to be, to have that natural uh, and consistent conflict. Yeah. Um, so based on uh, some of your personal experiences, you were talking about a landman, uh, yeah. being a landman, and also growing up on a ranch, yeah. um, moving out to Texas, uh, what were the experiences you've had with folks uh, that help create characters like Butch, yeah. you know, who's yeah. kind of cranky, yeah. older guy? You know, so Butch, Butch is always a reader favorite. And anytime I do an interview, people always ask about Butch. And, and I think a lot of people have said, I know Butch, I know that guy. And so I think, I think he re- he's very relatable to a lot of people because everybody knows that sort of curmudgeon, you know, this, this sort of guy who's kind of funny and kind of prickly and, um, and that's Butch. Um, Butch. Yeah. So, you know, people ask me and they're like, Oh, I bet, I bet I know who that character is in the book, you know? And, 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 and everybody, there's no one person in the book that's one character. Everybody's like five different characters, but everybody's someone, just so you know. And uh, But Butch is probably closest to a guy I met when I was a landman uh, that I had some interaction with. And um, and, and just to give you a, a kind of a funny story, I had this dealing with him where uh, we, we were tr- working on a problem. And one day he called me on the phone, and he, boy, he was just angry. And he cussed me up one side and down the other and gave me what for and um and i you know of course took it yes sir yes sir and um and then he got to the end of that and he's like started asking me questions about myself and really gave me a lot of compliments about how hard i work and you know what a good guy i am and and it was like the butch cole method you know like one minute he's saying something outlandish and crazy and the next minute it's the other but you know i think to this guy his point was you know he had a problem you know with the company i was working for and um, he, he, he kind of got it out of his system, but kind of knew that I was working as hard as I could to help him. And so there was that, that sort of two sides of him that's like, okay, this is business now, but now let's get down to personal. You're a good guy and I like what you do and you're, you know, and wanted to know about my life. And, and so, um, and, and I thought, well, that's fair enough. You know I mean? Um, we, we don't always have to disagree on, on business stuff, but, um, but there you go. And, uh, and so Butch was, uh, uh, a, a lot of him was based on that guy up in the, uh, in the panhandle. I'll, I'll never tell who he is, but, um, but yeah, he, he was a guy living by himself and just kind of, so that kind of sparked that character. And, um, but no, everybody's, uh, sort of based on someone. Right. It's a kind of a, in, in, this is a, kind of an interesting, I guess, piece of, of the, the lit. And maybe we, this is a, kind of a universal thing about literature is us, being able to find characters that we relate to and then kind of like just, you know, attaching ourselves in some way or another to the outcomes of those characters. Yeah. That's, you know, that's my granddad. Now mm-hmm. he was just like, that's something he would say yeah. or that romantic experience of the, of history and maybe overly so. Yeah. Um, but he uses more idioms yeah. probably <laughs> and, and Garrett as well. Garrett's yeah. clearly picked up on that. Uh-huh. Um, how did you manage getting to getting to play around with all the idioms of uh, West Texas and Texas? And I think that was a fun part. And so here's what I do, and this, and getting to a little bit of the um, the nuts and bolts of, of how I do my writing. Um, I'm a big believer in the um, in the whole uh, close point of view uh, method of writing. And for those who don't know, 
um, the close point of view is, is basically you're, you're kind of trying to write almost like a, a first person style, um, but you're doing it in the third person. So, so what I wanted to do is kind of get inside their head and, um, and really like th- you're thinking their thoughts. And so adding those idioms was just a way to sort of like get inside their head and think the way they're thinking. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And it's, it certainly like conveys a certain idea. I mean, I, I wonder if, I wonder to what extent people will, uh, I mean, I, I think of one like deck to the nines, yeah. right? That's yeah. a, that's a good example yeah. of, so I've used that before and people don't even know what it is. <laughs> well, it can mean so many different things, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're, right. you're, you can be dressed to the nines yeah. and yeah. you know, it could mean that you've had too much to drink. I, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. all kinds of different things, but right. it's totally contextual. So, um, I think that the the way that you've set it up and it, it makes me wonder it, this the whole concept of idioms is so is so interesting and complex. I've, I've, I hear that it's one of the more complex things uh, when learning a foreign language. The more complex things are to pick up on things that are just local things people say and the and these the way that they phrase things yeah. um, that may mean one thing but really they mean something completely different right um, I can see that being relatively serious given your background uh, in um, in some of the different facets of your career yeah. and um, that can have some serious outcomes and serious consequences on the other hand it's really fun to play with with uh, with us you yeah. know like the just Texans and uh, and of course the book isn't meant just for Texans. The book yeah. is meant for everybody. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, how, 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 how deep, uh, do you want people from, uh, or folks from like California or, um, uh, say maybe like, uh, like Missouri or who, who have their own idioms and way of talking, yeah. you know, and how, how, how are they going to digest those things? I think so far, um, you know, obviously the book isn't out yet, but there are a lot of the advanced readers editions have gone out. And so the, and they've gone out all over the world uh, because I've seen posts from England and places like that. And um, everything has been really positive. So I think it's, it's resonating well. Um, And, and, you know, that's the sort of funny thing. What I wanted to do uh, with Downrange is at that level of world building uh, for people that aren't from uh, the panhandle um, because I wanted them to really um, kind of see what it's like here. And I, and I say world building. It's a world that exists, but it's not a world that everybody knows of. So if you look at writers like, say, C.J. Box, who's writing about you know Wyoming, um, I love reading those books because I don't know Wyoming, and he's building a world for me of people that are very real and, uh, and, you know, they're, they're a part of that, that world there. And so I've tried to do that for the Texas Panhandle, West Texas. And, and you know, just being honest, you know, having grown up uh, more in Central Texas, coming to West Texas is a different experience. I mean, we're all in the same state, but, but people do use the, the different idioms. They use different expressions. Uh, there's a, a little bit of a different uh, personality here than, than where I'm from, which is really kind of more part of the South, if you think of it. And this is really more part of the West. And so, uh, so no, the, the feedback has been really good from people even outside of Texas that seem to be enjoying the novel. And, and, um, and I've had people say, like, I want to come visit, you know, I want to come uh, see this place now and see if it really exists. And I think people think I probably made up Canadian, you know, that it's not a real place. And it is. It's, uh, and so, so I think it's going to be sort of fun when the book gets out there and if people really want to come kind of visit and see, see what, you know, what the, what the panhandle is all about and look at the Caprock and go out on a ranch and really experience the wide open spaces. Right. 
uh, that sense of uh, being in the West and the open, that pioneer and frontiersmanship that uh, seems to make up so much of the mindset that we uh, that we experience day to day, and the politics also, mm-hmm. yeah. and that geopolitical issue mm-hmm. of where do Texans stand on on yeah. this? Uh, well, it's complicated. Like you yeah. said, it's a big mm-hmm. state. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it is. It is big, and I, those cultural differences yeah. are are as real as they can get. Um, on the other hand, there's certain things that are just universal truths about people, and that w- that's one of the things that makes this such an identifiable story. Right. Um, so, like, how universal are the many different types of character and economic conflicts that you seem to play upon in the book, um, and how many are unique in your mind? Uh, for example, um, your use of poverty with Asadi. Right. Right, um, and in contrast to the Kaiser family mm-hmm. um, and their different types of wealth, and um, that the use of the different types of and forms of wealth uh, to convey the complexity of the characters. Yeah, I think that's an interesting part of the book, and and you know, there's the um, well, there's the line you, you might remember whenever Asadi first gets there. And of course, he's from a little village in, in the Hindu Kush, you know, and then he shows up to. Um, Butch's house, you know, where Garrett grew up, and Garrett's just looking around going, man, what's happened to this place? You know, it's just dusty, and it's just the old bachelor hermit, you know, Butch is out there taking care of himself, and really sounds like not doing a very good job of it, and the place is just kind of falling to disrepair, and so, you know, Garrett's looking around like, ugh, uh, who's going to live here, you know, and and then Butch makes the comment, well, this place is like a palace to those people. And, and Garrett wants to argue, but he's kind of like, yeah, if you guess if you come from a place with no running water or electricity or whatever it is, you know, th- it kind of is. And so it's all relative. And then you look at the coals, which are, you know, they're rich in land, but, you know, poor in money. Really. <laughs> and then you have the Kaisers who have it all. They literally have it all. And, um, and you know, they're a, a big family. And, um, and so I think it all plays out in a very interesting way. And it's an interesting dynamic that... Um, you know, that people will probably relate to. And I think you don't, I don't think it's just relatable here in Texas. I think it's relatable everywhere in the world. You know, there's that the haves and have nots. And, um, and some people have a lot and they're miserable and some people have nothing and put the clothes on their back and they're really happy and uh, they live a simpler life. And so, you know, I think it, I think it's very, re- a, a, no matter how you slice it, I think it's very relatable to pretty much everyone. And if you haven't, uh, experienced it firsthand, you, you, you know, you can imagine, right? You can imagine what it's like to be a Kaiser. You can imagine what it's like to be a Cole or an Asadi. Uh, I, I try to do a good job of putting you in their shoes and um, getting in their point of view and seeing what they're seeing and feeling what they're feeling. Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting point, too. It seems like the, the history of America, uh, the history of um, so many places that have um, agrarian roots and uh, the, the cattleman lifestyle, mm-hmm. You know, and we look back at some of the historical points of where we are right now, you know, and the commercial interests that are continuing to try to, uh, you know, the suspiciousness with which people meet that commercial interest Mm -hmm. is always fascinating. It, like, as you said, that people can be very wealthy in land, maybe not so much in money. And that land, though, is what they have. Mm -hmm. And so, 
somebody with a little bit of everything or having or wanting to to develop a, an area and see it developed and make money off of what they consider to be something that's spiritually important to them right um, is it seems to seems to me to be pointing to like a uh, a fairly universal concept. It seems like that mm-hmm. kind of goes back to the, some of the roots of uh, some of the different conflicts that we could probably visit about yeah. throughout history. But yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, that's a really uh, a really important thing to touch on, and I really a- appreciated that uh, about the book. Okay, you know, I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed that part because that was something I really wanted to get in there, and I, I hoped it resonated with people. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the detail um, that you present the history of the Panhandle it paints a very clear picture. Okay, um, and uh, can you visit about the process of how you went about you know researching? You mentioned uh, getting to hang out with uh, the different uh, some of the landowners, the big landowners, mm-hmm. um, big ranches here in the Panhandle, yeah. uh, people that have been here for however long. Now you're a sixth generation Texan. Is mm-hmm. that correct? Right. Is that yeah. what I read? Okay. Yeah. Now we're sixth generation Texans as well. Okay. And I'm incredibly proud that, you know, our children are now seventh, seventh generation. Yeah. And, um, it, it's interesting that like the way you're able to characterize, I think that historical sensibility of the ancestry mm-hmm. and how important that is, yeah. um, in kind of visiting respectfully about Comanches yeah. and and how that creates this ferocious ruggedness um, about individuals mm-hmm. and you know nobody really knows t- to what extent to some I mean to some degree mm-hmm. um, it we have to admit a certain amount of mystery and a level of unknowedness uh, to uh, some of the the different. Uh, heritages that we come from, Mm -hmm. you know, because we all came from somewhere, but, you know, we may not look uh, like what we, and so assumptions are very difficult. And I think that's another universal Mm -hmm. um, concept that you, you do a good job of touching upon Um, being able to uh, wanting, wanting to make sure that you learn about as much about people as possible, not listening to hearsay. Um, And and that's an interesting um, Mm -hmm. and yet another (laughs) thing that uh, was really uh, something else uh, in the, in the small town uh, nature of, of the way things uh, how information travels, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know? So anyway, yeah. uh, how did you go about like researching? Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, yeah. what kinds of questions, for example, would you have asked, or, uh, one of the, the ranchers whenever you're kind of like panning for, uh, information? Yeah. So, so again, you know, the funny thing is that when I was actually writing the book, I never went back and really did any research with anyone other than on the technical aspects, whether it's flying a helicopter or, you know, um, maybe some of the combat stuff. Um, that was all just sort of picked up along the way by getting to know people. Um, I'm just kind of a people person, so I like to talk and I like to hear people's stories and, I'll, and I love history, you know. Um, so for me, it was more just things that I picked up along the way. Now, I did my research, too. You know, I still am always reading. Like, I'm rereading The Worst Hard Time, which is a, a, a phenomenal book. Um, uh, Empire of the Summer Moon was a big one. Um, you know, several more that, you know, I've read that have just helped sort of um, really s- sort of get me in that mindset of, of the history of, of West Texas or the Panhandle. And um, and so I had that. But, yeah, really mostly it falls back on my personal experience and just getting to know people. And so, you know, in terms of, like, specific questions, I, I can't really think of anything specific. It's just, you know, how would your family get here? How long have you been here? Um, do you still have family? If you came from wherever, you know, do you still keep contact? You know, that kind of a thing. And, um, 
and that just fascinates me to know in like what people's roots are and how they got here and and why they stayed and who left and who's who, you know what I mean who why did you continue to do this when your brother went to New York or whatever you know I mean I just find that all fascinating and uh so that yeah there was it was really just all in my head it was all just sort of rumbling around up there and it's just um and you know we, we talk about I mean even the <laughs> the guy Boggs uh, the big bad guy that's the drug I mean he's based on a real a guy that I knew and worked with in the in the panhandle and um he's not from here he, he, and he moved on uh, but he was a guy working in the oil and gas industry, and, and it's not a, entirely based on him. But I had him in my mind, and he had been this guy had been in federal prison twice for selling meth, and so I would just sit there, you know, uh, and get stories from this guy. And I mean, it was just insanity to like hear these stories. And he was this kind of big gregarious guy that was happy to tell me all about federal <laughs> prison and what it's like to be a meth dealer, and right. you know, so it wasn't just the the ranchers. I, I kind of. But uh, so, yeah, there was never any like, hey, let me hit you up with these questions. It was just riding around in a truck, you know, you know, looking at where you're going to put a road in or do something or, you know, whatever. And that was it. And um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of that was my process. Paying attention to people. Paying attention to people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the motifs uh, of the book seems to be the centrality of family and family history. It's yeah. kind of indicated with ancestry and the land and things like that. Uh, kind of one of the examples in the beginning, um, you mentioned that uh, that Butch uh, is kind of like let let the ranch fall into some disrepair. Mm-hmm. Garrett seems to be very uh, interested in any problems that his brother is maybe experiencing outside mm-hmm. of the conflict that they may have had or may be right. having. Right. And uh, that's that's highly relatable because families are families, yeah. you know, and everybody's got conflict, mm-hmm. and that's a really interesting one to have brought in. So, how did you kind of balance the universal nature of that motif with the cultural elements of the Texas Panhandle? And was it different, or was it? I think, in, in, as exactly as you said, it's relatable, and I think everybody, um, it's a relatable storyline because everybody has family, and family isn't perfect, right? Um, you know, everybody has a sibling that they're mad at or they've been mad at it before and then they sort of get through it or, you know, it's kind of this on again, off again type deal or mad at the parents or whatever, parents mad at kids. It's very relatable and that's all in there. And sometimes it's over dumb grudges and dumb feuds and and they're sort of... um, but yeah, I think it's just one of those relatable storylines that uh, that everybody's gone through at some point. But maybe there's a, a bit of a uniqueness uh, to the sort of fierce um, defense of, of a family member. You know, that blood is thicker than water, and um, and at the end of the day, they can be really, really mad at each other. But uh, if you come after a family member, that's look out, buddy, you're in trouble, and uh, and that's kind of what it boils down to here. Okay. Yeah. So. When uh, you do some really important things with the use of illicit drug trafficking mm-hmm. uh, and the, the conversation about some very uh, serious um, personal but also national and state yeah. and regional yeah. things that maybe um, go on behind the scenes in, in some areas that we just don't like to talk about, mm-hmm. right? And Garrett is, doesn't appear to be any type of uh, uh, stranger to any of that stuff. Um, but how does your life experience help you to think about the security, that's, that security issue as a, not just a component of human nature, but also uh, something that, that communities 
have to figure out how to deal with? Yeah, that's a good question because it it's so expansive and so broad. And I kind of cover in the book from the international, how that plays in an international role um, in affecting people's lives down to like the very basic here's here's your home life here's whose lives are affected by it and obviously you know having done this sort of work that i've have done in the past i saw it on on uh, well really through my work i saw it more on that that sort of international like thirty thousand foot level of like here's what's happening here's how you know drugs are flood, flooding in here's the level of violence that it's causing in foreign countries and things like that uh on the more personal level uh, drugs are a part of life and you know growing up where I did in Texas you know a, a lot of this was based on uh, not necessarily here but um, a, a drug cartel got involved in my local community and um, and I remember people that you knew got involved and people were being threatened and it was a, kind of a scary weird thing there was a supposedly a corrupt sheriff and you know it's it's kind of like how, how you know that it's happened time and time again uh, all over the United States so we talk about relatable I think that's relatable uh, in, in a very big way. Now, when I started coming, uh, you know, doing the land work here in, um, in the panhandle, I started hearing some of these same stories and it wasn't just, you know, cocaine or whatever, you know, you, we can't, you I can't talk about drugs here without talking about meth, you know, and, uh, and fentanyl and all, you know, all these, uh, these different drugs that have sort of popped on the scene and they're ruining lives, you know, they're making things unsafe and they're making people unsafe. And, you know, I'd come across people that were real, you know, kind of wholesome backgrounds, grew up on a ranch or farm or whatever, and they've had family members that are in prison or have lost kids to, they, they're out there somewhere, but they're just messed up on drugs. And um, so throughout the book, I mean, there's a theme of that. Remember where they talk about if it's not happening here, then it's not a problem. And Garrett says, well, it's a problem for someone. You know, I mean, someone's, it's so, I think sometimes we all have a tendency to go like, well, if it's not directly in my face, then it's not an issue. Well, it is. It's an issue for someone, and so I kind of hit it on all levels on that on that drug uh, issue because, again, talk about relatability. We all either know someone or know a family that's been affected by it, or you know, you open up the newspaper, or turn on the television, we see these drug busts, particularly up in Amarillo. You know, you're a, it's a major, <laughs> it's a hub, right? I mean, you, you've got the interstate uh, highway system coming through here that brings a lot of trafficking, and with that comes danger. And, I mean, legitimate, real danger that'll that'll you know people that'll kill you in a heartbeat uh, to protect their shipment, or if they you know look like they're going to get in trouble or whatever it is. So I don't think this is some outlandish um, sort of concept that nobody, you know, that somebody say, well, I, I doubt, you know, we'd have a terrorist attack here. Well, um, I mean, it's terrorism of another sort, right? Um, and so that, that's in the book. And I think people will probably read it and start going, huh, I wonder, <laughs> you know, I've always wondered about this business. Maybe they're in, involved as this one is. So, yeah. so I think it's a, a fun thing to play with, you know, in terms of being a fiction writer. Right. And uh, to some to some extent also, you know, the some of the different scuffs that uh, seem to come up, uh, the way that it's narrated uh, kind of takes on the tone of someone like writing a report, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and I, I like that. It's a, like a, maybe a, a writing style, but it makes you wonder, you know, to some extent how much of a writing style is based in, you know, in uh, Garrett's uh, uh portrayal mm -hmm. as like, is it creating a context, for example, trying to understand the way Garrett thinks about things yeah. in his mind? Uh, for example, he's thinking about the aggressor, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the way it's written is like right. the aggressor 
does this. Um, so he's observing a fight. Like typically, right, whenever you would mm-hmm. visit with someone, they'd be like, you know, that SOB or whatever, yeah. that, that guy over there. But uh, for him, it's uh, it's like a character, right? It's mm-hmm. a it's an it's an actor mm-hmm. doing something, mm-hmm. and so how natural is it for you to write and think in those terms? So that's a that's a great question, because, and nobody's ever asked me that before. Um, and it's funny because somebody I was in, did an interview the other day, and someone asked how much you know CIA report writing or uh, has had an effect on my own writing. And I, I responded <laughs> not very much because I said, you know, subject matter aside, uh, intelligence reports are pretty boring because <laughs> you're trying to sort of succinctly like pack in all this information in, into a, a you know a page or two, you know. To, uh, but uh, but it's, so it's funny you brought that up because I guess it does sink in, but hopefully in not a boring way. Hopefully it comes in in a good way. So. E- so I'd love to tell you that, yes, this was all planned and that yeah, that's part of my process in writing, but absolutely not. You, you, I guess you just picked up on something that comes natural to me because I've done it. But that's a good point. You know, Garrett would think, and, and so it, if he gets in a fight, it's not necessarily always personal, right? I mean, he, it's sort of his job to, to battle bad guys. So he, he might see him as an SOB or he might see him as like, you know, you're trying to do your job. I'm trying to do mine, and here, here, here we go, buddy. You know, and uh, and so he's going to see it in a more matter of fact way than we would if we we're just walking to our car and somebody tried to pick a fight with us or whatever. You know, and um, so no, it's a great question. I've never even thought about that, but I guess it does sort of seep into the writing. So yeah, and it's it's it creates for interesting context uh, because I mean it helps. I would think that it would help the reader to to develop a develop a sense of the way Garrett might be thinking in, in terms of narration, yeah. right? Um, uh, and, and, it's, and it's an impersonal way to do it, like mm-hmm. a George Friedman-style mm-hmm. approach to, yeah. the, to the, the way that uh, he perceives uh, geopolitics and mm-hmm. whatnot as an impersonal force. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, I guess I just... Um, congratulations on the book. Thank you. I'm Thank excited you. to see what ends up happening um, and, uh, of course I, I'm appreciative of, uh, how you were able to capture so much of the history of the, of the Texas panhandle yeah. and the Yano Estacado and yeah. the, the kind of the, some of the deep dives, um, the, the intricate detail, uh, that you used. Yeah. And so, um, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Aaron, Do you have for, anything else you want to add? Well, I want to thank you for the kind words. Um, obviously you know, when you write these things, you put your blood, sweat and tears into them. So with people like it and appreciate it, it's, um, man, it's just a, a true joy for me as a writer. So I appreciate you saying that and thank you for having me on. And, um, yeah, but you know, I'll just say book comes out August 3rd. Um, and so you can, it's available for pre-order if you want it on that day, then, then get on and pre-order. And, uh, if you want to learn, um, any more about my background or reach out to me, um, I'm at rtaylormore.com. And, uh, so you can always reach out and send an email if you have any questions or comments or anything, but yeah, bottom line is, uh, I, I hope to do, I, I love the Texas panhandle. Um, I've enjoyed living been here you know um eight years or so that i've been here and uh and i hope to do it proud and i hope people are proud of the of the book i'm i certainly am and and, and i love it and I, but i hope people that live here uh it's something they can really um enjoy and and just really be proud of too so that's about it right yeah. well thank you so much for coming on appreciate you and uh all right we'll talk to you later bye